0: Hi, this is shooting the shit with Jess. This is the place where we gather in community to share stories and the tools we work with to move forward in a clear and centered, grounded way. We'll be talking about all things relative to this human experience with special focus on healing as a collective. My dad, Joe, used to always tell me that he was just shooting the shit in the garage after work with his buddies. Joe and I had many conversations where we righted all the wrongs of the world in that garage. Now I offer this space for us to gather, share perspectives, and be ourselves in all our glory without judgment or fear. Welcome to Shooting the Shit with Jess. Today we meet with Craig Salazar from the Energy is Love podcast. You're located up in Utah, correct, Craig?
1: Correct, correct, yes. Just outside awesome. of Salt Lake City.
0: Very nice. That's actually the place where the bowls are made in Salt Lake City at Crystal Tones. Really? Yeah, that's the main that's awesome. the main temple.
1: That's very cool. I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. So if you're ever in the in the need for a bowl, you have it right there next door to you, you can go buy one. <laughs> um, Craig and I talked for the first time five years ago on his podcast, The Energy is Love. Uh, he found me serendipitously on his way through to install a float tank in Campbell, I believe. And um, we had a great time talking and now I thought it would be really sweet, full circle to connect on my podcast that I've just launched last month. And to share a little bit about Craig's journey and how he went from law enforcement to energy is love.
1: Yes. (laughs) So how did that happen? How did that happen, right? It's a definite shift and change in uh, everything. It was a big, weird transition time period. Um, Oh my goodness. (laughs) It was shortly before I met you. This is actually stuff that I've been thinking about quite frequently lately, just because of a lot of the uh, uh, shit that's been coming up and stuff that I've been dealing with. And um, my career in law enforcement ended in 2015. And it was an eight year long career. I started out as a um, correctional officer in the Salt Lake County Jail. I worked inside of that facility for like two and a half years and then eventually went out to the road for a police department um, that was pretty close to where I live and where I grew up. It was a smaller police department. There were only about 35, 40 people, but the city itself was kind of like a, I mean, it's a small city compared to, you know, the real world, but uh, I think there was like 45,000 people in the city and it was just a shithole. Just a complete and utter, um, I forgot to ask you before we started too, Jess, if it was okay to swear.
0: Of course. Cool. We're I don't have to.
1: Shit. Okay. <laughs> I always have to like, I forget because we don't um, refrain from anything on our podcast. And so I have to remind myself that not everybody wants to hear everything that I have to say when it comes to profanity. But anyways. Open, open field. <laughs> I was a cop for eight years and I loved it. And it was not just my life in the sense of like my job and my career and everything like that, but it really became kind of my identity uh, wholeheartedly. And it was something that I not just was passionate about, but there's a big spectrum of police officers out there. And there's some of them that treat it just like a simple job, like a nine to five job that they go to. And then there's officers that treat it like, um, like a calling and that it becomes their life where everything is kind of eat, breathe, sleep, law enforcement in some way, shape, or form. And, um, that's the way that I was. I was, I don't know if I'd say obsessed about it. I was passionate about it. Obsession is probably more accurate, (laughs) (laughs) but I was very passionate about it and um, I was good. I was really good at it. I did all the things. Um, uh, I was a trainer. I was, they call them FTO as a field training officer, Uh, I was on the SWAT team. Um, I just did all the stuff that you could possibly do because I liked it so much. And then I took it very seriously. So I was always like super prepared as a police officer, even off duty and like would have my poor family run through a battery of what if scenarios, no matter what happened or (laughs) where we went or what was going on. So they knew what to do. And it was just my life completely. Mm -hmm. It was also my family, all the people that I worked with and um, they were just my best friends and we did everything together, both you know, when we were working on duty and everything like that, as well as off duty and camping trips and all that kind of stuff. And and then all of that changed in 2015. Um, I got fired out of nowhere, and it was one of those things that um just fucking was horrible. <laughs> it was beyond miserable.
0: Like earth shattering at that point, if it was part of your identity, I imagine.
1: Yeah, it was, um, it came as a shock and a surprise. It wasn't um, something that I expected to happen. Uh, Over the years, I've struggled with trying to process the, the end of my career from a whole bunch of different angles and understand exactly why it happened. And I see the bigger picture now, and I'm grateful for it. But at the time, it didn't make any sense. And every time I try to relate the story over the years to people, they're always wondering, you know, if, if, a, if a police officer gets fired, then it's definitely he did something wrong, right? They did yeah. something terrible. They, they killed somebody or they beat the shit out of somebody or they were, <laughs> you know, embezzling money or high on drugs or whatever the case may be. They were a bad cop. Yeah. And I don't think I was a bad cop at all. And a lot of the people that I worked with, uh, especially the people that like knew me really well and that I had worked very, very closely with day in and day out, didn't think I was a bad cop. And it was a combination of, oh, this is the shitty part just, cause it's always like to try to explain the intricacies of what took place. Cause it doesn't really matter. But then at the yeah. same time, I know from experience that people are always like, they have this thing in the back of their head where they're like, they want to know what happened and they want to know why. The story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I can see it now for what it was as my career progressed. Um, I was coming up on my five-year anniversary with that department and I had had, <laughs> I think there was something uniquely and like, I think there was something uniquely about me specifically, like the type of person that I am and the, and, the, and the person that I am, I experienced a lot of trauma on that job. And I was called to a lot of experiences that had some really um, just immense trauma involved with them. It's like if somebody was going to kill themselves or if there was going to be some heinous, something or another that happened, it seemed like it happened on my shift. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like it happened when I was the guy that was like around the corner from it. So I was always the first one there. And so I was exposed to a whole bunch of stuff and it had a massive compounding effect on me, which what it, What happened over the course of my career was that I just got way more cold and disconnected and um, just really, really uncaring about people. Was it just too painful? Yeah, and I had no contextual understanding of it at the time, right? At the time, it was just, I mean, police officers, and I guess I should try to speak just for myself because everybody's different, but there are definitely some common themes for officers, right? Yeah. Um, in order to compartmentalize all this stuff that I was experiencing, I would shut off to people. I would shut off to like just basic human compassion for people's experiences. Things became more of an annoyance than, um, you know, like just an aspect of my job, the calls that we would respond to, or the people that we would interact with. And so I was very short with people. I didn't put up with a lot of bullshit And, uh, I was outright mean at times. I was never like, um, like I never beat the shit out of anybody. I never broke the law as a police officer, but I was mean and I was Mm -hmm. cold and I was uncaring. And the department that I worked for didn't like my style of policing. I also dealt a lot with, um, the people in our community that were involved in drugs, both as addicts, as well as, uh, People that dealt drugs. That was kind of the priority of what I thought my job was as law enforcement. And I didn't treat those people with a lot of respect because they didn't treat me with a lot of respect. And the department didn't like any of this. So I would get written up over the years. And it was always something about my attitude or the way that I would treat people or something like that. And I would always chalk it up to like fucking admin and they don't know what it's like. And, you know, like (laughs) Sorry, sorry, you don't like the way I'm like. That's how real police officers behave. And
0: yeah,
1: um, but inside what was happening and what I can see now was that I was just becoming more disassociated and cold and uncaring. And we had an incident one night, um, where these two girls, like adult, uh, not daughters, sisters, early 20s, something like that, rented a hotel room for the night, took all the kids to the local hotel to swim in the pool and everything like that. Well, they get drunk and end up fighting. We get called and they're both just like drunk and belligerent and probably like 120 pounds at the most. Right. (laughs) So I was one of the like multiple officers that responded because there was nothing else happening or going on. And I wasn't doing anything because it wasn't anything to be done. It was just two drunk sisters yelling at each other. Yeah. And one of them started to yell at me and I'm just like, that's okay. Like, whatever. It doesn't matter. Cause you can yell at me all day long as a police officer. I didn't care. Um, but then she started to like poke me and like stab me and not stab me, but like poke me yeah. in the chest and start talking shit right up in my face. So I just tried to put her in handcuffs. She resisted, but it wasn't anything major. Cause she was so small and mm-hmm. I'm a very big guy. So it was just kind of restraining her.
0: Yeah.
1: And she didn't get hurt. We didn't like dump her on the ground or scuff her up or anything like that. We actually just ended up sitting her down on the sidewalk. And then eventually she went back into her hotel room, but the department used that incident and wrote me up for like a, um, a fourth amendment violation. Cause there's a whole bunch of laws, right? Obviously. And <laughs> in the, uh, body cam footage, you could see that I took one step over the threshold of her, uh, uh, hotel room because she had the door to the hotel room open. And one of my feet crossed that threshold, which they then internalized or not internalized, but interpreted as me violating her fourth amendment's rights, Wow. which, you know, whatever, it doesn't really matter at this point. And so they wrote me up for it and then used that as like, Oh, look, Craig has a pattern and eventually he's going to snap. So we have to do something about it in the meantime. They put me on admin leave, um, which basically means I can't go out and be a police officer. I have to stay inside the department and inside the office and do office work. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I did that for like a month and then I had to go do another psych eval. Um, Another one. What are those like? Um, They're a joke.
0: <laughs> I imagine.
1: <laughs> yeah. They're just a joke. I did a bunch of them over the course of my career because like when I was first getting hired and anytime you apply and you get through certain levels of a hiring process, uh, eventually you go to before the psychologist and do a little psyche valve. and they're just a joke. They're standard questions they ask you. And you know that they're just checking off boxes. Yeah. Um, I lied through all of them and wasn't truthful about anything because if I, I knew that if I was truthful about stuff, then I probably wasn't going to get hired as a police officer.
0: Yeah.
1: But this time I decided to be truthful. So I just answered all of his questions honestly. And it seemed like it went really well. And then <laughs> that report came back and he said that I wasn't fit to be a police officer. So then the department had cause to uh, fire me. That process took like from the time that I was put on admin leave until I was finally fired, it was about two and a half, three months. And, um, and then that was it. I was done. Like one day I was a cop. And then the next day I wasn't like one day, the people that I worked with loved me, cared about me, supported me, would go through anything with me. And then the next day I was banished and they wouldn't talk to me.
0: Yeah. And was that, was that one of your favorite parts of the job, the community and the the extended family that you had with them?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Being able to work. Um, cause you, I mean, it, The reality is it's trauma bonding, right?
0: Yeah, totally.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And um, that bonds you really, really close to people. And I went through a lot of really traumatic experiences with people that I loved dearly. So we were really, really close. So that's how I got out of law enforcement. And then after that, my life fell apart um, pretty significantly. I actually married my wife, Steph, um, we got married the same year. We got married in April Went on our honeymoon, I got home from the honeymoon and they put me on admin leave and told me that, you know, this process had been started. So it was like life change after life change after life change, which was. Intense. Yeah, it was a recipe for just a success. Right. I just excelled massively. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it just fell apart. My life fell apart. And Part of that led me to, I had already started doing like um, spiritual work, my uh, quote unquote spiritual journey or diving into the space of spirituality started when I was a police officer, probably within like the last two years of my career. So that was really kind of a neat experience to have all this new awareness and then go to work as a cop and experience energy in a completely different way than I ever had before.
0: Did you share with your colleagues that you were starting to dip into this other aspect of you?
1: Some of them, some of the ones that I was really close with and, um, you know, worked really, I mean, they're like, you just know each other so well. And um, so I did share that with some of them and I would do uh, fun things where I would go out and find people just kind of using what I thought was, when I say what I thought, I totally believe that's what I was doing. I'm not minimizing it, but I would use my connection to energy and I would, go out in my patrol car and drive around and just be guided if I was going to turn left or turn right or stop here or go to there. And the people that we needed to find that we were looking for would just happen to drive in front of me or be walking down the sidewalk and I would arrest them. And it was fun, but it was also like a real practical way to implement some of the stuff that I was learning and connecting Mm -hmm. to and feeling. So that was really cool. So I had, I was already in that space when my career ended and rather than go and get like another job, I could have gone to another department and got hired on as a police officer somewhere else, mm-hmm. but I really avoided that and resisted that even though it was like a safe move. Um, Cause that was a paycheck that was benefits for the family. That was all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, I can't do that. Like there was a part of me that was really starting to recognize that being a cop was doing something to me bad. So I didn't, and I just like threw my hands up and hoped for the fucking best. (laughs) And I started to do like a lot of energy work at fairs and uh, seeing clients.
0: Steph is also an energy worker, correct?
1: Yeah, she is. And um, so, I mean, I just did everything I could think of, um, every fair or event that I could find. Um, I started to, there was a local float center that I uh, made a relationship with the guy that owned it and ended up getting a little office space there and started to work with clients there. And all around the same time period, I had a buddy of mine that came out to my house and interviewed me for a podcast that he was creating. And he sat down at the table and we chatted and whatnot. And when he was done and he left, I'm like, that was really, really fun. I'm like, I really, really liked that. And It was starting to take shape and form where I wanted a way to highlight people that I was meeting in this new life, this new field of spirituality and energy healing and all this other kind of stuff. And I wanted to highlight those people in some way, shape, or form because I felt like I was, quote unquote, a normal person. I just believed these uh, different things. Yeah. So that's kind of how the podcast was birthed. It was this idea of being able to highlight people and interview people and show that they were just regular, everyday, normal people who believed in something else, something different than, you know, kind of the reality, not reality, but uh, regular society. Yeah. And that was the impetus for it.
0: And when, when you started delving into the spiritual aspect of yourself, what started that?
1: Boy, I don't even know. Um, there wasn't a catalyst. There wasn't a, uh. An event. An event. I think it was definitely, um, co- like, it definitely linked up and coincided with meeting Steph as well as being a police officer, because there was shit that was happening as a police officer that, um, like, I couldn't explain, and I, I, I think I didn't have uh, the ability to process some of the stuff that was happening. And what, what happened was my mom went to some group that met once a week and she invited me to go with her one time and I'm like, okay. And it was a really wonderful group that was supportive and understanding and just wonderful for a place to kind of explore and get curious about the space. The woman who led it, her name's Alice Christensen. And um, she did a great job of kind of giving me this huge window into this world. And I ended up going through like, and becoming a, have you ever heard of Theta before? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I got certified as a Theta practitioner. Um, but yeah, just dived headfirst into all of it. Cause it really resonated with me. Do you want to but talk I'm, a little
0: bit about Theta and explain what that is
1: for you? Yeah. Yeah. For me, right. Everything's different. I think for everybody, um, Theta is just another modality, uh, like Reiki or I mean, literally just the list of things that people use to label how they work with energy is really, really long. And this was just one that at the time, Alice was a Theta practitioner slash, she was like a certified teacher for it and everything like that. And so she would host trainings and I liked it. I liked when she, I'd had sessions with her and I resonated with the idea that it was connecting to somebody's flow of energy and- kind of just watching. That's the way that I worked with it. I didn't have some sort of system of belief of like manipulating energy or doing anything like that. It was like, I would just show up to the space of somebody else and sit there and watch and see what I would see in their energy and then do the best that I could to try to interpret that and share that with them. Mm-hmm. And it worked. I mean, it you know would have profound effects on them and their lives and resonate greatly with what they were going through and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's just another energy modality. Just another yes. way of people accessing it and using it to kind of work with themselves as well as with each other.
0: Are you still doing that now?
1: Uh not in that literal sense. Not in the like, you know, I don't see clients. I don't have any sort of practice where I use theta okay. um consciously at least. Uh but I feel like it's that's just the natural way that I work and move through life. And so I don't label it anymore as like theta or I'm you know, going to sit down and do something, but there's times when I sit down and quote unquote, like do some work. Yeah. And the process is the same. Like I'll still use that same technique and that same process, but it's also just the thing that I've realized I've done forever. So it's just always been kind of my natural way of connecting.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. I love, um, that you also have a partner that, that, I'm going to say in quotation marks, gets it. And that you can have these conversations with and really be able to bounce your feelings, thoughts, ideas off of and uh, be able to have, a, you know, a, a non superficial conversation about something other than this space and time because this is only part of our experience, right? The, the human suit that we get in every day when we walk around on the earth and then when we go to sleep at night, where do we go then and what are we experiencing then outside of this body? Um, I imagine that is, has been really helpful over your transformation over the last, you know, I mean, however long you've been alive and also the last five years, right. The last six years, um, leaving that career and moving into something unknown at that point.
1: Yeah. Having that connection with Steph has been, I mean, it, it it has been the foundation of everything for me. It has been the thing that has given me the connection that her and I have in conjunction with the ability to connect on this bigger, beautiful thing that is. um, I mean, it's everything. It's literally kind of like the fiber of what is our life and kind of how we not just resonate and connect with each other, but also how we move through the world as individuals, as well as a couple, as partners, both, you know, because linear isn't there it's circle yeah. and so it's everywhere at the same time and we've got multiple iterations of our energy and other places moving through those places together and um but yeah it's vital beyond vital for me and I feel bad oftentimes I meet people who are into this shit and their partner <laughs> isn't right they're not necessarily supported in it and they, they're kind of like placated by it and um it's like, oh, that sucks, I feel bad for yes. you. <laughs>
0: yes, I would rather be single the rest of my life. Yes, yes, because every, every relationship in the past has led me to this point now where it's like, I've moved into a new space and time here in Austin, Texas compared to San Jose, California, and yet the same characters are showing up in different bodies, right? You go, oh, I recognize that one. Oh, I recognize that one. Oh, I need to run away from that one. <laughs> I need to run very fast and very You've
1: got far. one of those in Austin too. <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> so it's, I, I imagine, you know, as we, as we also transform together, like how challenging that can be sometimes in a relationship, even when your partner does or is on the same frequency or on the same wavelength there and able to talk about that for, for right now um, you, you say you're not, you know, working as like having clients and doing Theta Healing on them, if you were doing something like that right now, besides the podcast, like what, what communities would you want to be working with? Are there any in particular that are more near and dear to you? Like for me, I love working with incarcerated, formerly incarcerated folks, foster kids, and, you know, attempting to work with social workers and different caregivers. And sometimes the caregivers are just not ready to give themselves self-care yet. So I go to the people who are not given any, which is, for me, feels more fulfilling. Is there any community that speaks to you more so?
1: Uh, Like currently present moment, right? Yes. Uh, Exactly today, right now, no, there isn't. Um, Over the past few years, it's been men specifically, just Mm -hmm. really diving deep into men's work and trying to um, work directly with men. Were you facilitating
0: any like circles or groups?
1: Yeah, Uh, I had a men's group in Salt Lake City that met for the past four years once a week. And um, I kind of facilitated and led that group for a long time. And it was a huge part of my journey over the last few years. And it was really important to me. But sitting down with men, both in those circles and in that environment, as well as one-on-one was something that I was extremely passionate about. And then I think I got burned out. Uh, I don't think I know I did. And my life also uh, just went off the fucking rails. And I had to step away from that. And now when I sit and look at it, because I love working with people mm-hmm. in some, some capacity. It's always been that way. Um, that's part of what drew me to law enforcement actually was the ability to be able to help people. Absolutely. I, I lost that along the way and I got really jaded. But there were still a lot of times where I was like directly one-on-one working with somebody in the worst case scenario and helping them get through that experience. And I really, really like that. I like not having to do that in the worst case experiences. Yes. (laughs) Um, But that's what I'm really, really passionate about. And over the years, you know, it used to be as a cop, it used to be being able to go out and help people in that way. And then it kind of morphed into energy healing and being able to work with people in that regards. The podcast was kind of another way where I felt like I could reach more people and not necessarily help them directly, but by proxy, they could hear the conversations and share in the energy that was taking place on the podcast and hopefully impact them in some way, shape or form. Yeah, And and then it was really like heavily, heavily involved with men's work and working with men. And I'm at the point now where I've started to, you know, that beautiful thing that happens when you're like your shit squared away for a minute and things are in alignment and you're like, oh, this is really good fucking flow. And you start to see all the shit that the universe is throwing in front of you. That has started to happen for me in the last few weeks where I'm starting to see all of these things that are like, oh, that's something I wanna move towards. That's something I wanna move towards. And so part of that is, I think it feels like working one-on-one with people again. Mm -hmm. And I think it'll be in a much more organic way. Mm -hmm. And it'll allow me to incorporate a lot of what I've kind of gathered over the last few years and gained with not just energy healing or spirituality or being able to connect to people on a deeper sense, but a lot of emotional work, um, you know, mental health. There's just a lot of stuff that I've grabbed a hold of and incorporated in my own life. And I'm excited now to see how that's going to allow me to help these other people that are just organically appearing in front of me. And it's like, wait a minute, didn't do anything. And this person showed up out of nowhere after like, you know, I don't even know this fucking person. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I want to help you. I can help you. I can totally help you. Let me help you. So Absolutely. I'm excited for that.
0: Yeah. That's something <clears throat> I've noticed over the last couple of weeks as well. And especially since this, this last full moon uh, last week, um, really seeing and feeling feeling a shift physically in my body of things no longer there, um, urges no longer there. And if they are, it's like this little blip on the radar. It's not this big, huge blimp, you know, in, in the middle of the room, it's okay. Hey, that used to be a really big issue before. And now it doesn't seem to be anything. Um, it's, I I'm aware of it, and I can see that it has uh, still a little reminder there, like in the back of my head, just to remind me, like, "Hey, don't do that again," or "That's not what we want to do again, unless we want to experience that." Um, and also, feeling as though feeling those things not there anymore, or not as intensely, the level of confidence that I feel, or the level the level of security that I feel in my own being has has raised, has has really gotten more steady for me as well and so like going out and just meeting people which I've never had an issue before I'm a very social person and will walk up and talk to anybody being thrown into a new space and time with really no question like I didn't really have time to think about it universe is like hey you're going to Austin and then I was here you know a few weeks later after 45 years in San Jose and then I get here and I'm like wow I really like I know like five people here that's it okay now what do I do Well, you go and you do what you did in San Jose. You go and you meet people. You go and you sit down at their table and be like, hi, I'm Jessica. How are you? And they look (laughs) at you like you're some fucking weirdo. And then you start a conversation and they either want to talk to you again or they don't. And what I feel now is like, it doesn't matter if they don't want to talk to me again. Like I've gone and planted a seed in that moment. I've said hello and I have given permission to them to do what they want to do. And also give me permission to let them do what they want to do as well. Because my brain or my e- or ego might say something else. Like, oh, you have to make them like you, you know. And you have to make this part of your community. And I'm finding that, that that doesn't feel necessary anymore. Like, I'm my own community. It's nice to have people around me, family, friends. And I'm realizing now, like, I am my community. And if I want to expand that, then I can invite people in. But I don't have to in order to be whole and complete and worthy. Um, are there, are there groups that you're, that you see in the future? Cause I mean, you say you want to work one-on-one and, and the message I've been getting lately is that in order to reach more, obviously a podcast, cause you can reach people all over the world. It's the world wide web, right? And also being in person to work in that collective energy is so powerful because there's power in numbers when we all meet with that same intention. Is that something that you might consider again or something you could see yourself doing?
1: Yeah, I mean, I can see myself doing that in some regards. Um, I have been so closed off and shut down over the last couple of years that that process of really coming out and like you talk about just walking up to strangers and saying, hi, I'm Jessica. Um, I mean, that, I fucking hate that. I hate that <laughs> part. I hate that thing, but that's who I am. I'm a very, very like personable loving caring person and i want to get to know people and i want to engage with them and i want to talk to them
0: yeah but
1: i i that has been the opposite of what i've done over the last you know five ten years and so it's been really hard for me so the idea of being able to step back out into some space and work with people on a greater scale in groups or whatever it may be it really intimidates me right now and it scares me but i also feel like um this past year, at the beginning of this year, I started going back to jujitsu. There's a really good uh, MMA gym out here. And it's something that I've done off and on for like the last 20 years. And I've always, always loved it. So going back and starting to get back into that space, and that's a really tight knit group of people. And you're doing really difficult stuff physically. But it's, it has the ability to kind of, get you very comfortable with each other very, very quickly. And just this past week, actually, I started um, doing breath work with them at the end of the week uh, when everybody's done training and we sat down on Friday night and I just did some really basic breath work with them for like 15, 20 minutes to kind of introduce them into that space. Kind of like, you know, the the selling point is this is going to help you better when it comes to fighting and breathing and athletic ability
0: speak their language.
1: Exactly. But then the other side is like, this is going to be really fucking beneficial for you in so many Uh other ways. So (laughs) that's been fun to kind of see that thing take shape and form and just let it happen. And I know that more things like that are going to happen for me because I've experienced that. That's just how it works, right? I'm getting back in alignment with who I am. I'm feeling complete and whole, at least for now. And I feel like this big evolutionary shift and alignment happens and the universe provides and I'm excited to see what's next. So I'm sure something else like that will happen.
0: Cool. Yeah, I feel that uh, a lot of the people that are coming into my life right now, it's the people that I've been wanting to attract or intending to attract for years. And like you said, that alignment is finally like there and then they're able to see you and they're able to hear you. And then they're able to consider what you're bringing to the table and if they want to partake or not. And, um, you know, last year in San Jose, like that whole experience, you know, I, I never really went into lockdown. Like that really didn't exist for me. And it wasn't a big fearful experience for me. There were parts and pieces that were like, wait, okay, there's all this information. What am I supposed to do with it? and really coming into the, the, the understanding that the universe is like, hey, we want you to feel what's best for you and then do what's best for you and not really worry about what the outside environment or other people are doing because it's really about you and what kind of experience do you want to have. So that experience for me last year was not like many people's experiences. And I'm, pretty, I'm really grateful for the time that it gave me to really tap into myself and do some really deep inner work Um, with another colleague of mine um, who has a yoga studio in San Jose and we just started working together when everything locked down we just got together once a week and started doing really intentional and intense focused work on each other and it was so powerful and I don't know if I would have actually made it to Texas had I not done that work with her Um, do you have other people other than stuff that you're doing that type of work with as well? And, and how often do you receive and allow yourself that, that self-care as well?
1: Um, never. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, like right next to never is about how often I do it. Gotcha. Um, it's one of those things that I don't fucking trust people. And I've realized that. And it's something that I massively want to change because I believe that people are good and I love people, but I don't fucking trust them. And so to really let somebody in my space to where work can actually happen and where things can actually shift and change, um, you know, next to nobody gets in there and myself included the majority of the time. (laughs) And so it takes a lot for me to get to that space. I did, however, just start therapy. I've gone to therapy awesome. like once before in my life, back in my uh, mid-twenties. Mm-hmm. And this year, back in April, I started working with a therapist. So I guess that I'm Best doing- That's self-care? Yeah. I mean, it's fucking huge. It's yeah. It's been a huge, um, not game changer, but like-
0: It can be a game changer.
1: I definitely- Yeah. I'm trying to quantify it, but it's like, it was exactly- what I needed in the moment. And it's, um, I love the guy. It's been really good to work with him. And I'm also doing. Um, jiu jitsu. Yeah, jiu jitsu is super beneficial. That is very beneficial. But um, like working with the therapist, we're doing uh, also MDMA sessions with wow. that. And that has been also a huge game changer.
0: To shift those neural pathways. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I've started this year um, microdosing with psilocybin, mm-hmm. all sorts of different things, and really seeing a massive shift in my emotional health and my mental health. So I'm excited because it's gonna lead to me being able to open up to connecting with people more and you know, not just working with people and mm-hmm. letting people receive, like being able to receive from people, but yeah, re- create. With people, like I like building stuff with people and creating and seeing what comes of it and stuff like that. So,
0: yeah, do you feel that the microdosing is helping you to be a little more emotionally demonstrative? Is it able? Is it open that up to make it feel a little bit more comfortable to share with people other than your close?
1: Yes, yeah, uh, it's been it's been subtle, and it was initially difficult to kind of see any effects from it. Yeah. But enough time has passed now to where I can say without a doubt, it does make me more open and Mm -hmm. I feel more connected. And I feel I guess just more comfortable in that space. And so it is a matter of being more comfortable and sharing with other people and connecting with other people. Like I mean the idea of connection for me is so huge. I really suck at it because I had so much trauma Um, Not even from law enforcement, but law enforcement was like the, not even the straw. Yeah, it was (laughs) was such a huge benefactor to my Mm -hmm. trauma. And um, (laughs) it just shut everything off. And I could tell that it's like, I hated that because I really like connecting with people and I like interacting with people. And so now it's like, I'm starting to experience that more in a way that I haven't probably since I was a kid yeah and so it's been really really wonderful
0: finding that joy in connection again even when you're connecting with people maybe that are not you know not that not that you want them to be part of your community all the time and it's also this really beautiful space to practice being and connecting with people that like like being at the jail like for me like i I got to be at travis state jail for the first time on friday so I've been here for four months and I'm in like already, which is awesome. It's it a hard me. thing to do. Yes. So um, I was super stoked to be there. And just the feeling that I get being in that space and being able to bring in a different perspective, to share something different, to be in this feminine body and to be able to share that nurturing, feminine, loving energy <clears throat> with people who are not receiving that on a regular basis or at all, um, not being able to be touched, you know, and being able to touch them with sound, being able to touch them with a thought, an idea, a different perspective and supporting them, encouraging them to maybe be willing to consider something different or to even think something different or feel something different. And I'm, I'm curious to know, like, what what I'll get to be witness to and and also receive from them because I'm always learning from everyone that I'm that I'm talking with or sharing with. Um, I was listening to our conversation on your podcast uh, yesterday, and I thought, wow, I don't remember all the that conversation. I just remember having a really good time doing it too. And not even knowing you you know like well i'll put that in quotations too like because we do know each other that's how we all come back together at some point in time in this dimension and we talked about that on on your podcast about how you know maybe there's not past lives or reincarnation maybe it's all just happening simultaneously and these other versions of us are you know experiencing different things in different dimensions spaces and times and we're able to connect with what they're experiencing too and pull information from them and bring it here and they're able to pull information from here and bring it there and i'm always in awe or and always like kind of wondering like what's going on with the other people that i'm working with What's going on with the other people that I'm sharing with? Like, what are they experiencing right now? Because sometimes I'm experiencing like two, three different dimensions at the same time. And I'm like, do they see (laughs) that shit? Like, do they see it too? Should I ask them? Because I don't want to look like I'm crazy. And then at the same time, I'm like, well, it's all crazy anyway. So why don't I just say it and see what happens instead of being afraid of what might happen?
1: Yeah, we're all crazy.
0: Yes, it's great. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't. I don't know, like moving forward, I as you picture yourself possibly working one-on-one with people again, do you feel there might be like some, because I'm, I'm looking into doing um, some drug and alcohol counseling classes right now to be certified as like a peer mentor, just to have a different perspective. Is there another kind of avenue you want to move down or, or some other studies that you want to bring into your practice now that you're speaking with your therapist and doing this, this microdosing and experiencing something new? Like, what does that look like moving forward for you?
1: Um, it's a really good question. I think that every time I've tried to grab a hold of an idea that is something that I want to do, it, it's either like I squeeze it too hard or I fuck it up, or it's not the idea that I should have grabbed a, you know, grab a hold of and it seems like it doesn't fully come to fruition and so the idea of trying to think of you know I I, when I was really heavily into men's work I wanted to go into the jail and work with prisoners I wanted to take that work in there and sit in groups with prisoners inside of those correctional facilities and I thought how impactful that could be and it would be it would be very impactful
0: absolutely Um,
1: I've thought about you know, a lot of different types of things of what I could do and how I could reach people. And then I got to the point and it might change. It's not, it hasn't changed yet. Yeah. Um, and I'm in no rush to kind of force it to change. But I got to the point where I was so okay with not doing anything. I was so okay with like, I didn't need some avenue of direction or passion or path to feel complete. I could just exist in this life that I have and that was going to be enough. And so it's like a constant reminder for me of, I mean, my life, you know, in the blink of an eye, it's perfect. I can see everything that I have right now and it's absolutely perfect. And I love it. And my goal is to just embrace it and enjoy it and be present in my life. And I don't need something else. I don't need some other challenge or some other fucking hill to climb or mountain to, you know summit. to feel like I've accomplished something. But I do know that there is a part of me that does like helping people and does like connecting to people. So I don't know. I'm assuming that that will change because all things change, right? So it may take some form in a later date where I see clearer on how I can connect and reach with people. But like right now, it's been let's fucking f- not fix, but fuck man, Craig needed a lot of help and a lot of love and a lot of support and a lot of passion and love directed like at me a hundred percent. So it's like, I need help.
0: Yeah. So you're allowing yourself to receive, right. And yeah. practicing the art of receiving, which is not what, like I was saying earlier, like not what a lot of self-care, not what a lot of like caregivers do right mm-hmm. or people who are in the healing arts they don't really look at themselves as needing it and it's not about needing it it's about it being a part of our experience and if we're not allowing ourselves to receive we are going to deplete ourselves because we're not receiving we're, we're simply giving 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 until there's nothing left yeah and that's not healthy or loving and that's not something that i feel that our higher self or universe would want us to do that's not the point of being here it's about a give and receive, and to allow yourself to experience all of that, and not just one thing or another
1: yeah, I totally agree, and I wish I had some like you know six month plan where I was going to be headed and what I was going to be doing, and here's my 90 day program and yeah. all that kind of stuff. I have no interest in any of that, yeah, I'm I've just gone through excited all that
0: stuff yeah, like I, I've gone through all that stuff too over the last few years of figuring like try i'm gonna say trying to figure out like what i'm supposed to do what i'm supposed to be and following all these different um you know podcasts or you know uh different teachers or or coaches and just looking at what they do and seeing how like trying it on and seeing how it fits for me and realizing none of it does and and because it's not me (laughs) like that's not who i am so how do i how do i see clearly what it is for me like what is my purpose and I know that sound is part of my purpose here on earth like bringing sound into people's awareness and how it can affect them and um I wonder like sometimes like I know I know I'm in my purpose whatever the fuck that means right like I'm I'm here to help people heal and to experience themselves in a new and different way and to be grounded in their self that's I know hands down part of why I'm here because I know that's, that's what I'm doing for myself. So, if that's what I'm doing for myself, then I know I'm here to share that with others because there's like 8 billion of us and counting on the planet. So, some of those people are going to resonate with where I'm at on this journey right now. Not the same for them, and they'll resonate. So, with that being said, like for you not having like your 90 day program or, you know, putting it out there for certain groups, like, what do you feel or how do you feel you're in your purpose right now? And is it just, is it, I'm not going to say just, is it simply to be Craig and enjoy this life right now in this moment? Cause that's perfect too. And then also like, what does that look like moving forward? If you had to guess right now, or you had to, or you wanted to put out a picture of that right now and start to manifest, what does that look like?
1: Um, <clears throat> it's something that I've, Sat with for a long time over the last few years of the purpose and what is my you know why am I here and you know I have all of this experience in my life and how can I use it to benefit other people and <clears throat> like it I I had to make things like really really simple for me I tend to overcomplicate things and I try to think that things are much bigger than they are and
0: because you're a thinker
1: yeah and I have the you know. Massive ability to put all the pieces together. But the reality is that's a puzzle nobody needs to fucking do. But I'm like, I did it. <laughs> like, <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> and um, I made it really, really simple. I had a, there was a guy growing up. He was the father of one of my best friends when I was a kid. And um, he was the type of person that just made everybody feel better when they were around him. Like if you were in his company in subcapacity, you just felt better. He made you feel seen. He made you feel loved. And it was literally just with his presence and his kindness. He didn't do anything magnificent. He wasn't, you know, like he didn't grab you and hug you and give you a big kiss and tell you how much he loves you. It was just, you could feel it. And he passed away a few years ago. And I remember thinking a lot during that time period about the impact that he had on my life and how I wanted to move through life, affecting people the way that he affected them, influencing people with my presence and, The way that I just existed and I took that and I kind of looked at how I wasn't doing that and also how important it was for me to just be able to enjoy my life as well and I think that's kind of what I've been doing is getting to this point where I'm just so content with my life as it is I have a really easy life Mm -hmm. like it's not hard I don't have to endure and suffer like I used to. Yeah. And it's really fucking beautiful. And so if I end up dying on my deathbed one day, and the only thing that I had accomplished was living a loving, connected life with not just the people that I hold dear to my heart, but you know, being able to just impart some of that big open-hearted love that I have with the people that I came into contact with fucking success. Right. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I totally fucking knocked it out of the park success with my life. And so that's simple enough for me. And I don't really want to look much further than that. Um, I do love when the universe throws stuff in my way and I get to pick it up and say, Oh, that's cool. I want to do that for a little bit, or I'm going to go down that path and see where that goes. But I'm so good with like letting some of that stuff go now. Whereas before Mm -hmm. I used to just Like, this was it. This was the thing that was gonna be my purpose in my life. And it was gonna, you know, facilitate all of this wealth and abundance and growth and connection and, you know, solve all of our problems. And no, it didn't. (laughs) It it doesn't, right? So it's more about just really um, embodying like this big open heart. I had this massive, huge uh, spiritual experience. That came through a lot of pain and suffering, suffering and emotional work, and Stephanie actually was sitting with me, like holding the space for me to go through this experience. Yeah, and I had this visual of myself, a lot of visual work that I do in the space of not just energy but kind of emotional work and metaphors. It's ocean, it's waves, it's water, mm-hmm. and um, I'm in like the surf, right? That part of the ocean where. It's kind of lapping at your ankles and maybe the next wave comes up and splashes at your knees, but you're not totally in the ocean and the waves are rolling in and I have all of my armor on because I have like a whole bunch of warrior energy (laughs) and I'm standing there, you know, ready to face whatever the fucking ocean has to throw at me, whatever the world has to throw at me and I'm protecting everybody behind me and I'm fucking tired and I'm exhausted and i moved through my life so much that way. And what happened in this little visual journey that I went on and it was like deep, it was one of those like really deep ones where you totally disappear and go there. Yeah. And all my stuff fell off all my armor. And I was just standing there and I'm like, this is how I want to stand in the ocean. This is how I want to reach and meet and kind of move through life. But I had my sword still in my hand Like I was naked and I could see and feel everything, but I still had my sword. And I'm like, I can't let go of my sword because just in case, right? Just in case I need it, I've got it. And there was a part of me that's like, no, you don't need your sword. And the other part of me that's like, yeah, you do. I can't let go of this. Like, I don't (laughs) need to use it, but I still need it. And then it's like, no, you don't. And I'm like, I'll make you a deal. I'll just put it in the sheath. I won't get rid of it. I'll just put it. And it's like, you don't need it. Yeah. And so then I dropped it and I saw it fall from my hand and land in the water. And then like the surf came in and when it went back out, the sword was gone. And I was just left standing there with my heart. And that was what I was going to move forward with. And I've been trying to remind myself and stay in that space since then, because that's how I really like fucking moving through life. I hate fighting. I hate moving through life with all of that, uh, shield and, you know, I I don't have to do that anymore. I can just have this big old open heart and meet everybody and meet the world that way. And it's working. It's, it feels really, 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 really good. It's just hard.
0: (laughs) Yes. I imagine it feels hard and it's really beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that story.
1: Yeah, you're welcome.
0: Love it. I imagine, uh, it brings some freedom as well.
1: Yeah, a lot of freedom. There was, I mean, it's a metaphor, right? But uh, I prided myself on kind of being that tip of the spear warrior. And that's the way that I looked at myself when I was a cop, but it was also the way that I looked at myself in life. Yeah. I moved through life that way, always defending the people that I loved behind me and being willing to go first. And that was the way that I thought it had to be done, right? If I was going to save and protect people you have to battle to do it. And it's like, oh no, you can just go with an open heart. It's okay.
0: Yep. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's the way it was intended for all of us. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. Cool. Thank you so much for making time for us today, Craig, and for shooting the shit with me. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, Where are you going to be hosting any activities anytime soon besides the podcasts? And if so, let people know and, or share with where people can reach you.
1: Um, we don't have anything planned in the upcoming future by any means, uh, other than just our podcast every week. Um, me and my wife host the podcast, Stephanie, weekly. We really throw out stuff. Um, How many episodes every- are you at now? Uh, I just got done today actually editing and putting up episode 248. So wow. Yeah. It's-, it's
0: been five years because I was episode 36.
1: Was it 36?
0: Five years yeah. ago. Wow. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, it's been a labor of love and it's been a big commitment, but it's been wonderful and uh, it's a very important part of our life. Um, But it's everywhere. So it's easy to find if you're listening to this podcast, it's on that platform or any other platform, um, YouTube. Uh, You can also just go to the website, which is energyislovepodcast.com. We just started, it was funny because I don't like social media. I don't like any aspect of it. And so I never really did a Instagram account for the podcast. Mm-hmm. And then Steph's like, we should probably do that. And so finally we did that. So you can go follow us on Instagram. We do do some fun stuff there, uh, that, you know, like we'll have some Insta live interviews with people that we can't necessarily connect with an interview in person and stuff like that. So that's a fun place to go and awesome. follow us. Cause there's and some content there.
0: Aren't you doing a, a contest for, um, Brandy Carlisle tickets. Yes.
1: When does this, when will this come out? Jessica, is it, do you have an uh, idea? Probably
0: in another week or
1: so. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so we are super fans of Brandy Carlisle and we've got two free tickets that we're giving away to her August 14th show. And so all the details are on our Instagram. You can go and it's super simple to enter and somebody's going to get two free tickets to go check her out. She's, I mean, she like, is this magical woman that we had a spiritual experience with until you ride Colorado a few years ago. And Steph's loved her for a really long time. And how we just like one day, we'll just travel and follow Brandy Mm -hmm. wherever she goes and (laughs) bask in the joy of listening to her music. So
0: sounds like fun. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. Thanks again for joining us for shooting the shit with Jess today. I imagine you enjoyed this episode. If you're interested in uh, experiencing sound healing, Reiki or personal development programs, give me a call or connect on my website at EnergyHealing.com to support you in your journey into healed and whole. I look forward to connecting with you in person or virtually. Be well.